This week on Hyperspace Broadcast, we start gathering the seven Dragon Balls to wish for a less problematic show. Welcome to Hyperspace Broadcast, a show where two friends dig through Toonami's back catalog and try to determine what, if anything, is worth revisiting. I'm Michael Doak. I'm Peter Reedy. And this week we're beginning our coverage of the classic Dragon Ball with episodes 1 through 13. Dragon Ball holds a special place in my heart uh, because, uh, just to get some very brief stuff out of the way... Like, when I was a kid, my mom worked at a bookstore, and she knew I liked Dragon Ball Z, so she bought me Dragon Ball manga, which was available at the time. And I'm not sure if Dragon Ball Z wasn't, or if she just didn't buy that for whatever reason. But, like, I basically grew up reading this manga. Yeah, and with the manga, it's just called—it's pretty much just called Dragon Ball in the manga, so, like— it it would it would feel weird if she just like purchased the ones with Dragon Ball Z characters in because that's like way later volumes. Well, you would think so that, that, but in the U.S., at least in the print run that I had, uh, they were actually separated into two different series. But you're correct that typically oh, they're that. not. Um, oh, okay. Technically, it's one continuous Dragon Ball, and then Dragon Ball Z is the show. Uh, but yeah, the 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 manga that I had. Uh, the volumes were definitely separated into Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. And I'm not sure if Dragon Ball Z just wasn't available or if she just saw something that said Dragon Ball and assumed that was it, but whatever. Like, I I ended up reading these. And in particular, like, for some reason, I think I got the second volume first. So, like, that is the volume that covers the back half of these episodes, so all oh. of the events of this arc were extremely familiar to me because I remember yeah. reading those like two volumes just over and over again. Uh, and you never watched the show, right? I never watched Dragon Ball when it aired on Toonami for whatever reason. Yeah. I think that either my interest was waning by that point or I just like, you know, didn't get home in time to see it or something i'm not really sure why i never watched it but yeah i I watched it a bit as a kid um and i think yeah it's kind of the same thing i think my interest at that point was kind of waning in dragon ball dragon ball z in general yeah and toonami in general for me i think yeah and it and it was really different from dragon ball z you know (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) pretty much nothing like dragon ball z (laughs) completely different show uh and absolutely different tone and everything yeah right right and that's interesting too because it one of the things that is kind of cool about watching this show which we'll get to this but one one of the things that's kind of cool about watching this show is just seeing how different this massive franchise started out from where it eventually became popular like yeah. And obviously Dragon Ball Z or well just Dragon Ball I guess has had so much influence over so many pop culture things that we kind of take for granted that I don't know it's it's interesting to see the kind of uh, humble origins of the show. So Yeah. Let's just talk about the background of the actual show itself for a minute. Um Dragon Ball as a property began life as a very broad strokes adaptation of the Chinese novel Journey to the West. 
and was published starting in 1984 in Weekly Shonen Jump magazine. The creator, of course, is Akira Toriyama, and eventually the manga was adapted into two anime series, both produced by Toye Animation, Dragon Ball in 1986, which covers the part of the series where Goku is a kid, and Dragon Ball Z in 1989, which covers Goku as an adult, essentially. Uh, that's what we were discussing earlier. It's crazy to me that they're only three years apart. Yeah, that is pretty bananas, considering how much but, work got put out. But you know, yeah, that's. But I guess <laughs> that's Toriyama. You know, and our Dragon Ball Z is is to us like we we were introduced in like what ninety five ninety six. So uh, it's somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I, think I guess and it's and it's got upgraded with kind of more modern music and like some random graphic really dumb graphical visuals they do for the like title cards and stuff so it does seem a bit more 90s to me mm-hmm. well that definitely uh, the early dragon ball z stuff yeah, the like ocean. ocean dub stuff um so <laughs> the first attempt to bring dragon ball to america or just the west in general uh was in 1989 when harmony gold acquired distribution rights Good. uh they changed the names of a lot of characters uh, it's harmony gold what do you expect <laughs> The funniest probably is that Goku's name was changed to Zero, which is an extremely, (laughs) like, 1989 name. It's, like, cool, edgy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The rest of the names are much less exciting, although they do name Karin Whiskers the Wonder Cat, which is very funny. That's another (laughs) one that I really like. Um, Yeah, yeah. But essentially they dubbed a handful of episodes i believe there are five dubbed episodes and then there is a feature-length movie that was basically made by just mashing two of the three dragon ball movies together uh and calling it a movie and these are considered the lost dub by a lot of people but thankfully uh for the lost media aficionados out there derek padula or padula i'm not sure how to pronounce it my apologies derek of the Tao of Dragon Ball, that's the website, uh, has recovered and uploaded all five episodes as well as the movie, which is actually really exciting because we were talking about yeah. doing some of that for a mini-sode, and I am yeah, for sure. curious to see, like, it, it was also just very nice to go through the process of finding this and happening to go to Templo Trunks, which is another, like, Dragon Ball Z fan yeah. site that oh, somehow yeah. is still around. Um, a classic <laughs> i don't know it's it's fun to crawl through the old web like that oh that, that's great news i can't wait to hear like krillin go go fuck yourself you old man <laughs> to roshi <laughs> yeah something like that uh so it's a lot of a lot of i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of like random new york accents and shit i guess it's not central yeah, park right media, that's more still. central park media <laughs> Uh, So in 1995, Funimation acquired the license and in partnership with Siegel Entertainment and Josanne B. Lovick Productions began producing a new dub using voice actors from Ocean Productions, which is unsurprising because this is 1995. This is pretty much the same time that they uh, the Ocean dub of DBZ was being produced. So there is some overlap there. Uh, The voice actress who plays Kid Goku is Kid Gohan, for example, you know, it's that sort of thing. It makes Bama's sense to still bomb. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It makes sense to reuse oh, the is. same actors. Uh, it was heavily censored to remove nudity and vulgarity, and 13 episodes were aired before it was canceled. And then finally, in 2001, Funimation produced an in-house dub with less censorship because it was being broadcast on Toonami. 
And this version, which is what we watched, also uses the original music, which is notable. So yeah, and this is the widely distributed version we have now. Yeah, right. So basically, it took a couple shots. It's kind of nice to be talking about something that was initially dubbed before the anime boom again, because I always like yeah. these weird histories where it's like, how many companies yeah. tried to make this work in America and failed <laughs> before I eventually Toonami did it for them? Like, where where did they air that original 95 airing? Like, what? What was that, like CBS or some shit? I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, unfortunately, yeah. but it was almost certainly for broadcast, and which that's just that wild requires to <laughs> much more censorship, obviously, than cable. Yeah, so. yeah. like what it came on, it came on after like Animaniacs or some shit. <laughs> yeah, right. And then they had to cut everything because for a decent portion of this arc, Bulma is just dressed as a Playboy bunny, and they're like, well. Yeah. Not sure we can show that on TV you know, necessarily. Maybe that's something we should address too. Is that this show? Uh, oh yeah, no, I was going any to show, address this. Okay, good. More than any show we've dealt with, this show has some real, like, pervy kind of humor, which is often uh, very difficult to sit through because, like, I feel like you can. There's a world maybe where you can have pervy humor and you can work it just right. This is not that place. This is like pervy humor that's a lot of like um, transgressive actions against women. Yeah, specifically Bulma. <laughs> Played off and yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like a lot of the humor in this has aged incredibly poorly. Like yeah, and that is something worth mentioning off the top, just so we don't have to bring it up at every instance where something happens right. that's obviously really gross um so unfortunately yes that is the problem with dragon ball and we will talk more about this during the thoughts portion of this but uh be warned th this show is not aged well whatsoever it is aged like milk it is yeah objectionable frequently now so just bear that in mind as we continue um but Moving along to the synopsis, for an overview, Dragon Ball is a story about a kid named Goku who goes on sort of comedic adventures to find the seven Dragon Balls, which are mystical orbs that can grant a single wish to whoever gathers all of them. Uh, and as we said already, yes, the comedy is generally quite vulgar and frequently very sexist, really. I don't really know how else to say it Uh what what else is going to be a catch-all term that's broad True. enough to explain exactly what a lot of the focus of the humor is. So uh, we start with Goku living alone in the woods so far removed from society that he doesn't know that, like, women exist. Like, he's literally never met another human being except for his grandpa Gohan, uh, who right. is dead. Fortunately for Goku, he's pretty much indestructible, and he really likes living in the woods. So, as I said, he previously lived with his grandfather, who has been dead for a while, but before he died, he was an accomplished martial arts master, and he taught Goku basic martial arts. So Goku is capable of fighting fairly well, and being indestructible certainly doesn't hurt. Goku's life yeah. changes a lot when he is hit by a car driven by the 16-year-old Bulma, who is a self-obsessed teenager who happens to also be a super mega genius who invented a radar that can pretty much pinpoint where the Dragon Balls are, which 
as the series goes on, is indicated to be a more and more impressive feat. Like, nobody else has this <laughs> yeah. technology. And when you see other people with technology similar, it's like a computer the size of a room, whereas Bulma has this tiny <laughs> little Palm Pilot that tracks the right. Dragon Balls for her. Uh, and the, the episode would be episode one, The Secret of the Dragon Balls. So this was my Zenith episode. I, I really, something about this, I think because I've seen this episode a couple times and like rewatches as well, or like attempt attempted rewatches right. as the case may be. Uh, I do. It's just kind of fun jumping in. It's got kind of this classic kind of fun Toriyama atmosphere and attitude to it for the most part. Uh, that is to me kind of reminiscent of Dr. Slump, of course, yeah, absolutely. Of one of his other works. It's a little earlier, but it's just kind of this like happy-go-lucky weird adventure in this weird world. And here you are thrust right into it. You've got just like all sorts of weird, goofy-looking animals, and like that Goku's hanging out with. In the <laughs> yeah, beginning. like a saber-toothed tiger, and like dinosaurs yeah. are everywhere. The, yeah, the the big like yeah, <laughs> the big like t- uh, pterodactyl enemy he runs into who like right, right. grabs Bulma and he's like, "Oh, this is gonna be some good launch," you know, just like t- everything talks for some yeah, fucking reason. Right. <laughs> it's it's very re- like the the area the story starts is very reminiscent if you're familiar with Dragon Ball Z with the area that Gohan is taken to train by Piccolo. Yeah. Like, it's the same kind right, of which... total wilderness with a bunch of monsters everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it it's just kind of got this weird, like, almost kid show, like, little kid show kind of feel to it at first, too, with, like, like the, the fact that all these different animals will talk, too, just now and then. <laughs> it is feels like such a kiddie kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Especially for like DBZ, <laughs> like any yeah, anytime you compare this, to this DBZ, show, DBZ is strange for sure. Yeah, DBZ is so fucking different. And it, I I found it fun, you know, just like Goku and Bulma have uh, uh, generally when it doesn't get creepy, like Goku and Bulma have a pretty fun kind of interplay and reaction, like interaction with each other. Like Bulma being like the streetwise smart city girl who's kind of selfish, and then Goku being like a good-natured but completely stupid and completely innocent kid who's just, like, doesn't know anything about being polite or anything about basically anything. I've, I have I even started a list of, like, things he started to learn about by the second episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He learns what electricity is. And he coffee. then learns what television is. Bath. He learns what a bath is. Never had one of those. He learns what girls are. And then he really learns what girls are. Um, that's one way to put it i guess uh that is one way that is a very gentle way to put um well we'll get yeah and so we'll get there and and so i enjoyed this episode and then i remembered something (laughs) and this is an unfortunate thing which honestly again we'll talk more about this but like uh, the kind of perfect stuff i'm sorry it keeps coming up and like it's hard to pick a favorite episode, but the end of this episode has like one little moment where like where I'm like, oh, this episode's great, this is awesome, and then this one little gag happens, and I'm like, ew, what the fuck? Like Dragon Ball, hey, can we not do this? And where it's like, Bulma is rescued, and but she's like fr- from this pterodactyl by Goku, and then she's like hanging off of this cliff edge thing, and she's safe, but she's like, in you know, freaking out and kind of yelling, and and there's like. 
uh, this feels so gross to even talk about, but it's just like there's like a trickle of sparkles coming down between her legs, and I guess the joke is like, ah, that, that Balma, she got caught, and now she's peeing because she's so freaked out. Well, and it's like kind of a funny played as a gag moment. Now, to be and, fair, and, 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 it's not just that, but also that earlier the reason that they stopped and she like snuck off by herself was to oh, use the bathroom right. initially and she so, never got a chance yeah right so <laughs> glad we, glad we got a fucking resolution well, my to point that is, it's not just that joke that you're suggested which to be sure, sure it still is and it's still gross like there's no question yeah, about that, that i remember watching this it. episode with you in college and get into this point yeah. being like yeah i don't think i'm gonna watch any more of this actually <laughs> right it <was laughs> but just like, it just seems like such a weird uh yeah it's just un- just a real uncomfortable moment that kind of kind of sets up yeah it's a, a lot of how i feel about this show so far yeah it suggests what what is to come so yeah so continuing on right bulma is looking for the dragon balls because she wants to wish for a perfect boyfriend uh and goku <laughs> has the four star ball which was left to him by his grandfather so Basically, Bulma recruits him, and they start going on adventures together. Uh, There is another person who's trying to gather the Dragon Balls who's introduced here, even though, for the most part, he doesn't matter because he's introduced way later in the manga. Uh, But this is Emperor Pilaf, who is just kind of a short, diminutive blue goblin who has two minions, Shu and Mai. Uh, Shu is, I believe, a Shiba Inu, who is uh, obviously anthropomorphic, and he's like a ninja. Uh, And then Mai is just like a woman. She's pretty normal. (laughs) She's like a woman in like a big coat. But woman in like a military garb, yeah, right, coat kind right. Of thing, yeah. So they're trying to get the Dragon Balls also, and Pilaf wants to dominate the world, uh, but he's an idiot, and his henchmen are idiots, so they never succeed at anything. And also, frankly, kind of everyone in the world of Dragon Ball is an <laughs> idiot. There's really nobody yeah, who's yeah, capable yeah. of acting rationally. Everyone always acts in a way that is conducive to make the jokes happen, not necessarily how people <laughs> would react in a real situation ever. Um, right, right. Which, you know, like, fine, whatever. It has its charm in that, but it's funny to me how incompetent everybody in this show is at doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially these three. These three are total morons. So to illustrate that... Um... <laughs> in like the next episode or so goku and balma goku realizes that balma doesn't have a tail and balma sees his tail and freaks out and goku's like what like all boys have these and and balma actually takes a step back and is like well i guess i've never seen a guy undress like <laughs> right yeah i guess men do have t- like they could have tails yeah it's like i just I, thought it was so funny that know. she like actually has to like wait a minute maybe he's right <laughs> Like, yeah, even the brilliant, like, super scientist is also an idiot. Everyone in this world is a fucking idiot. They're all clueless, I would say. They're all clueless and a little incompetent, but, like, in a funny way. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So, for the most part, this first arc is just a bunch of, like, two to three episode long adventures, which are more or less them meeting new characters, either making friends or making enemies, and then usually getting a dragon ball out of the deal the first of these little mini adventures is meeting master roshi the turtle hermit who is an old martial arts master who lives on an island in the middle of the ocean alone with a turtle and if we count the filler as canon 
also apparently an alligator who sunbathes wearing sunglasses, (laughs) who I'm really hoping shows up again. I don't think, yeah, I've never seen that character before, and I don't think I've ever seen that character since. Well, we we can only hope. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Goku and Bulma meet him because Goku helps his turtle, who is named Turtle, get back to the ocean apparently turtle has just been wandering around the wilderness and he's a sea turtle so this is really ridiculous and for like he's, a year too yeah he's just crazy. been lost forever uh because yeah he's a sea turtle living on land like he doesn't know how to find anything so goku and bulma take him back to the ocean uh bulma not really wanting to when they get Turtle back to the ocean, Turtle swims off and brings back Roshi, who is an old bald man with a beard and sunglasses, and he wears a Hawaiian shirt uh, and a turtle shell on his back. And Roshi gives Goku the flying Nimbus, which is like a cloud that flies around with this like putting noise, like an old golf cart motor. Uh, and only the pure of heart can ride on it. So basically that means only Goku can ride yeah. on it. Yep. Uh, Roshi attempts to demonstrate use of the cloud and falls immediately through it and hurts himself, which Bulma laughs at. And then when she attempts to ride it later, she also falls through. And, you know, no one can ride it but Goku. is the only pure-hearted one. Uh Again, because no episode is complete without something gross happening. Yeah. Uh, Bulma notices Roshi has a Dragon Ball hanging around his neck. He offers to give it to her if she shows him her underwear. So she does. And then we find out that actually, because Goku... How do I even say this without it sounding (laughs) extremely fucked up? Like The chain of gross events. uh, Yeah, earlier in the episode... Goku woke up before Bulma, attempted to sleep with his head on Bulma's crotch, because that's how he slept with his grandfather. He realized, doing that, that she was missing the genitals he was expecting, so he takes off her underwear to see, freaks out, she wakes up, she thinks that when he says, your balls are missing, that uh, he's talking about the dragon balls, and then this happens. So actually, she just flashed Roshi. And that's hilarious, the funniest yeah. thing ever, and it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable at all to explain yeah. it. Especially when the character is 16. <laughs> yeah, Great. right, that's something to keep in the back of your mind through <laughs> that, all of that, this. That, so, that really So yeah, that worse. happens, it's gross and weird. Yeah. Moving on to another gross and weird thing. Uh, so then Goku and Bulma find a Dragon Ball in a village, and this village is dominated by a shapeshifter named Oolong who has been kidnapping the girls of the town in order to marry them. So Goku and Bulma expose that Oolong is a fraud. Uh, he could shapeshift, but only for five minutes at a time, and his default form is just like a short anthropomorphic pig. Yeah, and after they finally like chase him down, they force him to... like reveal the uh force him to like reveal his lair and release the imprisoned girls but it turns out all the imprisoned girls are just like kind of just having a great time at his place and he hates it because he pretty much hates women as it is but also just just like they're uh, they're just like hey give us some more money go shopping for us do all this shit for us while while they're just kind of like chilling out i did like the reveal that at least at least the girls he had, this monster had kidnapped are actually just like having a great time instead of like anything actually horrible. But yeah, right. Still, it's just still a thing. weird joke. And 
Oolong joins the party at this point. Uh, he becomes one of the main characters. And that's unfortunate because Oolong is probably the thing that makes the show the most unwatchable at this point. Like, uh, Oolong is basically an incel. He clearly <laughs> hates women, but is also a perv. So, you know, he still needs to have women around just in a gross way and not in a way that respects them whatsoever. Like, I, I will f say that I find it a little funny when you have these scenes where Goku and Oolong, like, talk about women just because Oolong is more or less saying stuff that you would find on, like, an objectionable comment <laughs> section on Reddit. And Goku <laughs> is like, wow, really? Gosh. Okay, but also, like, clearly not really paying attention or taking anything yeah. Oolong says into an account. I don't know. Th those scenes are a little funny, but generally, Oolong's pretty awful. And he's here would, now for the rest yeah. of the whole arc. I would say, yeah, and he's responsible for most of, like, the pervy, gross shit that happens from here on out uh, so, for this block. Of, yeah. yeah, I mean, the the truly gross thing, which we're almost to. We're, we're going to uh, get to it yes, in a second. So, right. So they continue traveling. Uh, now they're traveling through a desert region, and they encounter the bandit Yamcha and his shape-shifting cat, Puar. Uh, Puar and Oolong knew each other because apparently they went to the same shape-shifting school, and Oolong was kicked out because he's an asshole. Uh, I love so that. Puar can shape-shift forever. I, I love that detail that there is a shape-shifting school for weird little animals that they go to. <laughs> Yeah, right, for they strange never flying it. cats yeah, and pigmen. Whatever. Don't think too hard about it. I, I love it, though. I, I think it's really funny. Uh, so Yamcha and Goku fight, but Goku is hungry, so he's much weaker. And Yamcha is about to win, but Bulma, who had thrown a temper tantrum and fallen asleep, uh, wakes up, and Yamcha is terrified of beautiful women, as he puts it. Uh, which is to say, he's incredibly shy to the point where he's incapable of acting around yeah. women whatsoever. So he just literally freezes and collapses and <laughs> has to be dragged away by Poir, uh because this show is super goofy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bulma, of course, thinks that Yamcha is a total babe. So she is into him, even though he was just trying to rob them. Yeah, right. <laughs> but whatever. He's totally hot. So this leads to my least favorite episode of the block. Episode six, keep an eye on the Dragon Balls. After Yamcha tries to rob everyone, it turns out that Oolong actually had a capsule with a two-level camper inside it. Maybe capsules are worth explaining briefly as an aside. Oh, yeah. In this universe, they have these little things called dino caps. I believe they're called hoi poi capsules in the manga. Yeah, yep. And essentially the premise is it's a little pill-sized capsule that you throw and, you know, it explodes and then like a motorcycle comes out. So the characters can just carry around an entire fleet of vehicles or like a house, for example, yeah. in their you pocket. Just store anything. It's basically like little hammer space capsules that you click and throw. And yeah, exactly. Up. That is anything that is, you want comes out. That is a perfect explanation yeah. of what they are. Which I think is a fucking great idea. I think it's really. Oh cool. yeah, it's super fun. I love the capsules a lot, and it's it's a little sad because they don't get that much feature in like Dragon Ball Z. I wonder yeah, why. Right. 
so it tur- turns out that Oolong has a capsule that has like a two level camper in it, and they're all staying in the camper while Yamcha and Puar are casing it, trying to, you know, figure out how to rob them. And while they're doing this, they overhear Goku and Oolong talking about the Dragon Balls, and Yamcha is like, hell yes. We're going to steal those Dragon Balls, and my wish is going to not be, or my wish is going to not be, Jesus Christ, how do I even say this? Wish is to cure my shyness around women. Yeah, that's one way to say it. <laughs> that's how I would have said it if I could talk today. Apparently I can't. While this is happening, Bulma takes a shower, and we're treated to extremely male gazy shots of Bulma showering for a, a right. very long time. It just keeps going yep <laughs> and yamcha sees her showering through the window and is like oh no which is pretty much what happens in this show at this point yamcha sees bulma naked accidentally and then he freaks out about it right um i think it's a little funny that the bathroom in this camper has a gigantic window right <laughs> at the end of the bathtub and earlier bulma's like I'm going to check for peepholes to make sure Oolong doesn't spy on me, but I'm not going to close the blinds on this window. Yeah, no, but not the gigantic window. <laughs> not the huge window right next to the shower. <laughs> Whatever. That's a really good point. Uh, so now we have the gross thing. Oolong gives Bulma and Goku glasses of juice, which is laced with a sedative, so he can steal the Dragon Balls, quote-unquote. But... While they're both knocked out, he decides to perv on Bulma. Fortunately, he's stopped because Puar, posing as Goku, comes into the camper. So Oolong shapeshifts into a short, stout version of Bulma, and the two shapeshifters lead each other out of the camper so Yamcha (laughs) can steal the Dragon Balls. Yamcha goes upstairs to where Bulma is sleeping. She's completely covered, so he doesn't know that it's a person and not a pile of Dragon Balls, which is what he thinks it is. So he throws the covers back and sees Bulma naked again and freaks yeah, not out. Before, not before grabbing these orb-like things yeah. under the covers, which are her boobs. Whoa, the Dragon Balls are real squishy. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, there's also that scene, which, yeah, it's there. This episode hits you with a lot. <laughs> Right. Well, and and that's pretty much it. Uh, the next morning, Yamcha and Puar attack the camper again, this time with an RPG, but Goku basically kicks the shit out of him. Uh, Bulma starts wearing a Playboy Bunny outfit, because apparently that's the only thing in her size in the camper, which is weird, both because it suggests that Oolong has this camper that just has a Playboy Bunny outfit in it for some <laughs> reason. And also, like, she's 16 again. Yeah. But whatever. Um, afterwards, Yamcha gives them a car with a tracking device so that they can continue basically shadowing the main group of people and finding the Dragon Balls. Uh, there's also a side plot where Shu and Mai attempt to plant a bomb on the camper, but are foiled because they're incompetent. Yeah, I will say and, <laughs> that subplot is kind of pretty hilarious when Shu just gets the bomb stuck to his hand. Yeah, the very uh, first moment of that subplot is yeah, funny, which is where yeah. they're planting the, the bomb rest. and Shu's like, oh, shit. <laughs> the rest is the just rest predictable is shit. Yeah. And, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious why I didn't like this episode. Yeah. It is yeah, yeah. the grossest episode of the show. I'm not sure anything else in this show comes close to Oolong literally drugging people. Yeah, but right. 
And also, then, I'm not going to say that because who knows? I, right. I don't remember. I barely remember this. I remember this episode, seeing this episode when I was younger. Um, not seeing this episode when I was younger and watching Dragon Ball. Like I, I tried to watch it sometime when I was an adult. So, because I'm sure this episode fucking didn't straight up didn't air, <laughs> or or like really was heavily edited. But I, I remember probably edited heavily. But but, who but knows? I vaguely remembered this episode, and I was like something. Yeah, I think this episode gets like real grody. And I was like, yeah, this is it with the camper. And I remember this. And then it happened. And I was like, yep, I was right. <laughs> it's like, this shit's gross. Yeah, and that's I mean, really like that was really awful. Like, yeah, that that. Woof, yeah, and and it, it's a shame because there's little tiny details you want to pick out that I think are really funny, like Puar turning into Goku. She like can't. <laughs> neither of them, when they turn into humans, can get it quite right uh, most of the time. So she turns into Goku, and Goku has like these dot eyes instead of like anime eyes, and it kind of reminds me of like when Kirby sucks up someone in Smash Brothers and turns into them. Yeah, <laughs> you generally. know, it's just like. Or like when when actually it's more like when Ditto from Pokemon turns into another Pokemon, where it's like the you can tell by the eyes the eyes are fucked up they're way too normal, but it would just look really funny. But yeah, good luck picking that shit out of this. Like yeah, right. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah. Overall, this episode is entirely skippable and it's just absolutely full worst. of gross stuff. So as we continue, Goku and company arrive at Fire Mountain, which is the home of the fearsome Ox King. Fire Mountain is entirely on fire, and the Ox King and his daughter were on picnic when it caught on fire. So they're trapped outside of their castle, which is on top of the mountain. Uh, A Dragon Ball is in the treasure hold of the castle, but the flames are too hot for Goku to just fly up and get it. While he's trying to fly up and get it, the Ox King attacks Bulma and Oolong. Uh, But when Goku comes back, he recognizes Goku's power pole, which is like an extending pole that he has on his back, as belonging to Gohan. Apparently, Ox King and Grandpa Gohan trained together as students under Master Roshi, uh, and the Ox King asks Goku to get the Bansho fan from Roshi, which can cause thunderstorms and hopefully can put out the fire around Fire Mountain. He also asks Goku to find his daughter, Chi-Chi. So Goku ends up finding Chi-Chi, who previously in the episode encountered Yamcha and was running away from a dinosaur. (laughs) And she's, like, extremely powerful, but is, like, constantly kind of crying and running away. So she, like, has—she's dressed in this fucking ridiculous outfit as it is. But she has this, like, armor with, like, almost a cut man kind of blade on top that she can throw. And she just, like, throws it in fear and cuts the entire T-Rex in half and then, like, activates a laser on it and blows it up. I'm just like I don't think I've seen a brutal death in such a brutal death in Dragon Ball and a bloody one. <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of when Frieza's just fucking destroyed by Trunks. Because <laughs> kind of the same sequence of events happens. Yeah, yeah, but, I can see that the um, cutting up and then blowing him up. And then she she looks she sees Yamcha freaks her out and she's like reactionarily like is about to blow him up with the laser. So she he hits her over the head and knocks her out. And then now comes to find, like, oh, that was the Ox King's daughter. I'm going to be fucking killed if they find out. Um, Fortunately, Goku finds her and uh, helps her out, and they join each other. And, you know, she kind of has a crush on him right off the bat. They join each other heading over to Roshi's Island. Right. And the important thing here is that when Goku finds Chi-Chi, he's like, hey, get up on Nimbus, and we'll go find this turtle hermit guy. 
and she grabs onto his tail in order oh, yeah. to get up onto the Nimbus, but Goku's tail is his weakness. And Yamcha sees this, so now Yamcha knows what Goku's weakness is, and he's oh, plotting right. to take Goku out. Goku and Chi-Chi head to Master Roshi's island, and they find out that Roshi spilled some juice on the Bansho fan and then threw <laughs> it away because it was sticky. Uh, so right. Roshi is like, sure, I'll just go and do it myself, but Goku... I want to take a moonlight stroll around my island with Bulma. And Goku is like, I don't see why she'd have a problem with that. Sure. Right. So they all go back to fr uh, Fire Mountain. It's called Frying Pan Mountain in the manga, damn it. Oh. Which I think is a much funnier title. And I'm resisting yeah. the, the urge to say Frying Pan Mountain. Right, right. <laughs> which is by far a better name. So uh, Roshi arrives and he's going to use his secret technique to put out the fire. And his secret technique is the Kamehameha wave. And he, you know, uses this massive energy blast and puts out the fire, but also blows up the mountain and the castle in the yeah. process. I'm not sure why he thought a massive blast of energy would put the fire out. But whatever, I guess I guess Goku puts fire out with energy blasts in the live action movie Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> so <laughs> close that enough. Happen? I think so. There's some yeah. scene where he's putting out candles when he's like flirting oh, with right. Chi Chi in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember oh, that. Great adaptation of this, by the way. Truly. Just exactly the same. Yeah. Possibly more watchable, to be honest, <laughs> given some of the things that are in this show. Yeah, but, at least it doesn't have that. <laughs> yeah, instead it's just everything is wrong. Um, but anyway, so he, he blows up the mountain and uh, Bulma is going around the rubble trying to find the Dragon Ball. Goku tries to do the Kamehameha and succeeds on his first attempt, although it's a pretty puny one, but it's still powerful enough to destroy the car that they were using. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks again, Goku, for screwing us for no reason. Uh, at this point, Roshi and Ox King have a short conversation, and Roshi finds out that Grandpa Gohan was, you know, Goku's grandpa. Uh, so he offers to train Goku when Goku basically has time to undergo such a thing. Uh, and then the final thing, because well, it wouldn't be Dragon Ball without something gross happening. Yeah. Uh, Bulma doesn't want to take a walk around the island with Roshi, which is a reasonable position. So she says, Oolong, why don't you transform into me, pretend to be me, and you can fucking do it. Oolong manages to transform into an accurate representation of Bulma this time. And then he, because he's an asshole, is like, I'll show Roshi my boobs, which are her boobs, because right. I've transformed into her. Which, like, and that's yeah, a whole scene. Right. Yeah, and again, yeah, that's I'm... like another weird thing of, oh, that's totally gross. Cool, Great. posing as someone else and exposing yourself. Great. <laughs> yeah, right. So do you want to handle the next mini-adventure? <laughs> Because it's yes, your nadir. Yeah, this is my nadir. It's episode nine, Boss Rabbit's Magic Touch. Boy, does that sound like a winner. Uh, it sounds much worse than it is. It actually does, yeah. In fairness, this episode, I'm pretty sure, has like little to no pervo shit. So that's actually should put it ahead of most of this. Um, but it's also just uh, unremarkable filler. Uh, so basically they come upon a town and uh, the town they find out everyone's afraid because 
of Bulma, and they like everyone's freaking out, and they are, will like hide from Bulma. And it turns out it's because Bulma is wearing her bunny suit thing. The, it, it turns out this uh, this town is controlled by a gang of people who all wear bunny <laughs> bunny hoods, which is pretty funny, I guess. <laughs> like thinking about it, she's like military dressed dudes, like goons with bunny hoods on. Yeah, um, with bunny ears. Yeah. So they encounter like two goons from this gang. I guess it's just two goons and then the leader, Boss Rabbit. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. As far as so we can tell. They find him and, you know, basically Goku kicks their asses real bad because they're being jerks. And then Boss Rabbit comes down. They're like, oh, we're going to get Boss Rabbit. And they get Boss Rabbit down in this fucking stupid rabbit car. Oh, don't call <laughs> that car stupid, Peter. That's what <laughs> that I'm getting. That's my next car. Dumb. You don't understand. <laughs> That would be, you should be on a watch list if you get that car. If an adult has that car, that, that's like a car for like little children. Like it's just, it's the design is just like a very cutesy rabbit, but as a car, like it seems like something yeah, that's so real. It's <laughs> like, extremely goofy looking yeah, for sure. Yeah. It seems like something they would drive around at like an amusement park for toddlers. And of course the boss who comes out, he's just a rabbit. <laughs> it's just like this rabbit man who apparently has this magic ability that if he touches you, he turns you into a, into a carrot. Oh, no. So he turns Bulma into a carrot because she, like, slaps him. And uh, Goku has to fight him, and it's just this entire kind of keep-away match because Goku's like, okay, I can't let him touch me. I'm going to use the, po the pole to hit him. And then, you know, Boss Rabbit keeps jumping around and trying to trying to get away from them or trying to get Bulma back because Poir steals the carrot Bulma and he tries jumping after her. And it's just like a lot of that. And then eventually they finally beats him. <laughs> like when they basically, when they get Bulma, they get Bulma and uh, <laughs> basically hold him hostage in reverse. And it's like, okay, you have to fucking break the spell or I'm going to kick your ass more. <laughs> Literally Goku says, yeah, I'll hit you again. <laughs> In a right. very, what sounds like, appropriately does sound like a child's threat, which is really funny. Um, Goku's idea here is he uses his extendo staff and puts them onto the moon and then gives them a, a, a draconian punishment of uh, forcing them to make traditional marshmallow treats in the shape of rabbits for every child on Earth. And then when they do, Goku will come back and save them from their fate of being stuck on the moon forever. Apparently, um, yes. Yeah. I don't know why, like, this is so obviously filler as it is, but it's, like, also just the extendo staff, like, fucking <laughs> apparently can go all the way to the moon and Goku can survive through the vacuum of space. All right, fine. It's just it's just a pretty unremarkable episode, and I just remember watching it and just like, can we get over? Yeah, great. He keeps jumping after Poir. Yep, here we go. Right now, I will say I actually really like not this episode. I I think this episode ruins the whole boss rabbit thing by adding in the extremely overlong scene where boss rabbit chases poir around as yeah. poir flies with the bulma carrot so that boss rabbit can't you know use the bulma carrot as a hostage that yeah. scene goes on and on and on it's really the worst part yeah definitely and of course in the manga it's like poir takes the carrot that's pretty much the end of it like there's no keep away keep with the carrot there's none of that bullshit you know what i keep forgetting that that was in the manga and i keep calling it filler well <laughs> 
Although, I mean, certainly it's not enough to fill an episode. I mean, they don't get a Dragon Ball, and they don't meet a character who comes back, so it kind of is filler. It's not really... Yeah, that's true. It's in the manga, but it's definitely not especially relevant to the main plot. The most relevant thing that happens is Bulma gets a costume change. Also, you point... Um, Which, thank God. And also, you pointed out that um, (laughs) that technically... uh, Roshi blows up the moon in a later in a later moment of the show. The moon gets blown up like a couple times, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so the I guess these guys of are Dragon dead. Ball is loose. Uh, yeah. So yes, the moon is blown up repeatedly, and apparently Boss Rabbit was still there. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe Monster Carrot, who is Boss Rabbit's other name, uh, got away. Monster so, Carrot. Moving along to my favorite episode, episode 10, the Dragon Balls are stolen. In this episode, the gang finally encounters Pilaf's minions. Uh, This, I believe, is where they're introduced in the manga, if I recall correctly. Not that that really matters, but that is kind of why this is my favorite episode. So Shu, the dog ninja, attacks them in a little mech suit uh, and steals the Dragon Balls. And Goku goes after him, but fails to catch him. And because the dino caps were in the bag with the Dragon Balls, they have no method of transportation. Fortunately, Goku always carries the four-star ball on him. So actually, Pilaf does not have all of the Dragon Balls. At this point, they've gathered, like, the main characters have gathered six total, uh, and Pilaf has the final ball. So now Pilaf has six, and the heroes have goku's ball only because the car is destroyed yamcha is forced to basically give them a lift and we have some kind of funny scenes where yamcha is extremely uncomfortable because bulma's in the front seat with him and like getting very close and cuddly and yamcha doesn't know how to handle it and eventually they find this massive palace and they enter only to be easily tricked into trapping themselves by following a bunch of arrows painted on the floor (laughs) which just like lead to a dead end and then a wall drops behind them. Uh, And Pilaf is kind of surprised that they're stupid enough to have fallen (laughs) for his easy trap. Yeah, right. And of course, this is Pilaf's castle. So uh, the reason I like this episode, honestly, is because Pilaf and his gang were like my favorite Dragon Ball characters when I was reading the manga, even though they're only in this like short bit. (laughs) And they're they're definitely my favorite favorite characters of this arc like yeah they're great of this block rather like they're just a lot of fun they're just like all incompetent and so like weird and bashful there's a scene in the next episode where uh pilaf gets really pissed off at bulma because she's making fun of him and so he takes her from the cell that they're trapped in with a robot arm and takes her into his office And, like, she's, you know, pinwheeling her legs around in midair while the robot arm holds her in midair. And Pilaf threatens the treatment, which everyone is horrified by the concept (laughs) of. And no one knows what the treatment could possibly be. And as it turns out, it's just Pilaf blowing Bulma a kiss. And, like, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing that makes it funny is that Pilaf... And his minions are extremely embarrassed and bashful that this thing has just happened. And like compared to the other stuff in the show, it's so nothing Yeah, that 
it's it's honestly pretty adorable that these three <laughs> who are trying to conquer the world that is their yeah, goal yeah. are like this Barely is tolerate. the worst punishment we can possibly imagine <laughs> is being right. blown a kiss by this little goblin uh it, just in general they're very funny like at yeah, one point Mai great. makes a crack about how you can't trust short people and of course Shu <laughs> and pilaf are both like very short they, they just have a lot of like little aside jokes yeah. that hang in the air for a minute before someone calls out what an asshole the other person is it's that kind of stuff and i find them very charming i wish there were more in the show yeah kind of they do show up again near the end um but the they're absent from most of it and i do yeah. really like them i mean who knows they might be in filler all over the place in this show to be fair yeah, maybe i have no idea but and you know what it was really nice to see them come back in dragon ball super even though that yeah. itself has some really weird stuff in it but <laughs> it's at least weird <laughs> yeah. and a like if i do the math on this it's strange yeah it's, it's not like but outwardly eh. gross whatever it's yeah. it's not as creepy as most of the stuff that happens here and so we we get another like get like another couple episodes of like some kind of filler stuff going on in the castle like <laughs> some uh, yeah <laughs> it's a lot of like scooby-doo wandering through this castle but they <sighs> keep falling into weird traps like for the entire episode one that i want to talk about in particular because there yeah. is the most egregious filler i think i've ever seen in a show uh, in one of these episodes, I believe it's episode 11, actually. So like Pilaf gases our heroes to knock them out so he can steal the final Dragon Ball from them. And then it turns out that uh, Pilaf's gang just left the door to their cell open on <laughs> yeah. accident because they're morons. So Bulma and everybody leave the cell, run into the Pilaf gang. They chase each other around a little bit and then they get chased into a giant room with which is just like a big pinball cabinet and then yeah. Pilaf gets a keyboard out and starts playing the keyboard and somehow this keyboard <laughs> directs a giant pinball to chase them around the castle yeah. for like 15 minutes until it chases them back into the room they were trapped in at the beginning and yeah. the door slams behind them again <laughs> it's like, and it's like well, wow good. we've made zero progress <laughs> well it's just the most obvious possible filler because it's like yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah they left this room got chased around ended up in the same fucking room in the same Earth. situation they were in before nothing yeah, is different yeah. that's great it's very stupid uh, so now Pilaf has all the dragon balls and he and his minions go outside to start summoning the eternal dragon Shenron or Shenlong, whatever. Yeah. However you're going to do it. Yeah. Goku, uh, uses the Kamehameha to blow a very small hole in the wall, which allows them to look out, but nobody can fit through it. And eventually, uh, Puar and Oolong transform into bats and fly out in an attempt to stop Pilaf. And Oolong actually saves the day because Pilaf, again, is going to wish for world domination. Like, he wants to rule the world. That's why he calls himself emperor. And Oolong preempts his wish by wishing for, according to the show, the world's softest, most comfortable underwear. Although, of course, in the manga, it is... He wishes for Bulma's underwear, right? It's just an attractive woman, so I don't think it's specific, oh. but still weird, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so Oolong's wish is granted, and the Dragon Balls all fly off to the corners of the Earth, 
Uh, Bulma tells us that they will be stone orbs that are untraceable for the next year until they become the Dragon Balls again. So Pilaf is fucking pissed because he just had his wish stolen, and he imprisons everyone in a new cell, which is a room with a glass ceiling that will cook them alive when the sun rises. But it's a full moon, and Goku starts telling everyone the legend his grandfather told him that when the full moon rises, a monster comes out and kills people, and said monster killed his grandfather, and also his grandfather told him never to look at the moon. So everyone connects the dots pretty quickly, realizes that Goku is probably the monster, and freaks out and accidentally gestures to the moon, which he looks at and turns into a giant monkey, which then destroys the castle and frees everybody. While he's rampaging around as a giant ape, there's this long scene where Pilaf and his goons try to shoot him down with their plane. Uh, That's mostly filler. And then Goku, as an ape, attempts to eat Bulma, and Yamcha leaps into action, doing something pretty awesome, honestly, where he, like, takes a block of stone and smashes it up and makes it into a sword, although the sword does nothing. But he remembers Goku's weakness is his tail, uh, grabs onto the giant ape's tail, which weakens it, and then Poir transforms into a big pair of scissors and cuts the tail <laughs> off. That's Which causes it. Goku to transform back into his kid self. So, the next morning, Goku wakes up. He has no memory of the previous night. Uh, Yamcha and Bulma are both upset because they won't get their wishes before realizing that each other fill in their wishes pretty well. So yeah. they start dating. Uh, Oolong is disgusted either because he's jealous or just because he's an asshole. And everybody but Goku heads to West City with Bulma while Goku goes to train with Master Roshi. And that's where we will be picking up next time. So going to get to the break. When we get back, we're going to talk about our thoughts on this show and then a bet and what we're going to be watching next. As though I didn't just say it. Little did Goku know, a visitor was approaching his remote mountainside home. The young boy's life was about to begin a radical new phase. Totally radical. Dragon Ball will return in a moment. Hey there, it's Michael jumping in during the break to do what I always do, give you some acknowledgements and some information that you may already know. Our opening and closing music is, as always, Vapor Diving. The music for the Muppers is Monkeys. Both of these tracks are by Anitek, that's A-N-I-T-E-K. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud, rights were secured through Chimendo. Dragon Ball Part 2 will release on February 10th. If you want to get in touch with us for whatever reason... Uh, maybe share a memory about Toonami, you can DM us on facebook.com slash hbpod and at twitter at hbpod, or you can email us at hyperspacebroadcastpod at gmail.com. They kind of remind me of those little goldfish I used to have, and they'll die just as quickly. And now, back to Dragon Ball. We're back. Peter, what do you think about this first arc of Dragon Ball? Uh, it's difficult um, because, like, I enjoy everything around the gross bits that we've talked about. You know, the, the 
pervy, a salty kind of fucking humor. And then that shit happens, and it's like, yeah, it just really doesn't sit well. I would say I, I, I still enjoyed the watch, you know? It's just, like, made me uncomfortable at points and had some shit that I really wish wasn't in it because it's like, wow, how am I going to... I'm I'm never going to introduce this to other people. I don't even really want to watch it, you know? It's like, yeah, But it's right, one of those right. things where, like, you have that scene, and it's like, I could never show other people this, <laughs> you know? No, well, it's... Yeah, it's the kind of thing... It's super hard to recommend because of that, certainly. And, yeah. like... Even even watching it, <laughs> you're just like, does this reflect on me? I mean, that's always the fear right. when you recommend a show to someone and then you think about the show yeah. a little more and you're like, hmm, there's some stuff in this show that's a little like, eh, that I'm not yeah. super behind. Um, but usually that's like, oh, like, I don't know. This show has some undertones that I'm not a fan of. Dragon sure. Ball yeah. is like, oh, no. You will not watch this show. <laughs> yeah, they're overtones. So like it's yeah, it's, right. It's, it's not an undertone over. whatsoever. Yeah, you know, and, and like besides that, you know, it's kind of it's got like the vulgar kind of humor. Besides that, it's like it's got a lot of potty humor and stuff too, which I think is okay. I, I remember Boma gets one up on uh, Oolong. We didn't mention this in the synopsis. It's not super important. Yeah, it's kind she, of minor. <laughs> she tricks him into eating a pill, and the pill for some reason makes it so that when she says a command word, he will shit. Uh, I refer he, to it he like D and D spell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, command word shit. He, um, he will have explosive diarrhea specifically. Yeah. Like, so she has to say it's noisy. We get to hear it a lot. <laughs> yes, she has to say here, piggy, piggy, and then he has an explosion happen, like crazy weird sound effect. Uh, yeah, right. It, it, that that shit. Uh, I remember thinking that was pretty funny as a kid. My brother would repeat that, make the, make like a, he would imitate the sound effect that it makes. It's a very weird, right. like boom, psh, kind of sound effect every time Oolong shits his pants. You know, it, it it it's it doesn't age super well. Still, like even that right. stuff is like it's all right. But like, yeah, that stuff for me, like, I definitely thought it was quite funny as a kid. And this is written for kids, technically <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so you know, I, I can't really get too upset about that stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. there's some toilet humor, and I don't think it's that funny now. But whatever. Uh, I'm not, it doesn't upset me. It's just kind of like, eh, okay. But yeah, this show is, uh, you mentioned this too, like this show is fucking way pervier than even the most pervy Tenchi. Yeah, like, series, that's one of my you know, big points, actually. <laughs> really wild. <laughs> it's, it is astonishing to be watching this and realize like, just like Bulma showering is yeah. more male gazy than a lot of Tenchi. I mean, in fairness, probably not more so than like the bathhouse episode or whatever, which eh, is comparable. But still, it, it is it is on the same level of Tenchi in being like this is a sex comedy. Fundamentally, right. this is yeah. a sex comedy, and the thing is about sex comedies in general, but especially sex comedies made 36 years ago. <laughs> uh, the joke is boys will be boys and it doesn't really matter how girls or women are affected by that. 
Like they are there to be the butt of the joke or to be eye candy, not to be characters or like, you know, to be respected or have dignity at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just there as props for dudes to be horny. And that's pretty much what Bulma is in this show. And that sucks. That really sucks. And it, it dates the show horribly. Like, I mean, I think that's Bulma's relegated to that a, a lot, and that sucks. There are like cool and fun elements about Bulma's character as well. I would, I would point out at least, like, you yeah, know. I mean, that's true. I and you know, I say that, but honestly, Bulma's probably one of my favorite characters of this batch. I, I like Bulma because she honestly feels like a teenager in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. She's very self-obsessed. She can't see past the end of her own nose. At one point, Oolong correctly points out that they are all risking their asses so that she can wish for basically a a boyfriend, boyfriend, which which is weird. Difficult. (laughs) Well, not even that. There's also the weirdness of like, who who is this boyfriend going to be? Is the <laughs> yeah. dragon going to provide you with a magic boy? Because that's creepy apparate. as hell itself. <laughs> like, or is it going to be a real person who just appears out of nowhere? Like, you know. But but frankly, saying no, uh, the the way that I'm going to use this magic is to fulfill my own kind of petty desire. <laughs> really petty wish. Is is very teenager. Yeah. Like, that yeah. feels very real. And I kind of felt the same I with like Yamcha. that aspect of Bulma. I felt the same I felt the same with respect to Yamcha as well, at least when he's like around Bulma and when he starts to realize that he kinda of, that he likes her and, you know, is wishing he could get over his shit. He gets very like teenage boy angsty at times. Oh, too, absolutely. That I found very yeah. cute. No, I I totally related to that it, shit. that that, like, that i thought was great it, it, not so much yamcha trying to act like a badass because like come on <laughs> like he no, already no, gets his on, ass kicked great. by goku <laughs> it's great when yamcha's a badass because this is the point where he gets to be one still yeah yeah he's <laughs> like, not just he's not just fodder for cell <laughs> yeah he's not just a joke at this point like he's a genuinely competent fighter and and i agree too i find yamcha and bulma's like courtship or whatever you want to call it to be kind of adorable like yeah it's t- totally silly and ridiculous but yeah it- it's a little funny that uh at least again yes after the multiple times when yamcha accidentally sees bulma naked sure. and she doesn't know about it uh after that stuff it becomes like cute i mean at the very but... least he's not trying to well, yeah, there's that too. So yeah, it, it's 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 tough to talk about. It's tough to. It's not. I guess it's not tough to talk about. Like, yeah, there's grody shit in this show. It's pretty dated, but it's just like it's it. It makes it annoying and difficult to like enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. There's it's a not lot enjoyable. of stuff I genuinely really enjoy about this. A lot of stuff about Toriyama's art style, the way the world is built, and all that stuff. I like from Doctor Slump, comparably, which does not nearly have as much like there's like a little bit of grodiness in dr slump but it's not it's nothing compared to this there's there's like dr slump is much more toilet humor focused yes from what i've seen (laughs) yeah and even Um, yeah it's just goofy weird it's yeah it it, it makes it really hard to enjoy the genuinely enjoy the stuff that i genuinely enjoy (laughs) of the show and uh makes it annoying to talk about right and 
for the most part, I can agree with that. Like the most frustrating aspect of the show is that adjacent to all of the um, sexual assault is humor or just sexual harassment is humor right? or whatever else degrading awful shit as humor. There are moments of true brilliance that are very funny. Like, uh, like Roshi is actually a prime example. Roshi's whole character is defined by him being a big pervert, which itself would be funny, honestly, if it wasn't constantly at the expense of like characters. Like if he was just looking at porn or something, I would think it was funny. Right. But it, like, it, which is in for the most part in DBZ how they handle it for the most part. Yeah, where right. it's like he's watching, he's just watching aerobics videos of women. It's just like, oh, he's just an old sleaze ball. Like that's kind of funny. He's not creeping on anyone necessarily. Right, uh, right, and and that works too because like he is an old hermit who is like a master martial artist that kind of contrast is very Toriyama to say yeah. he's a master martial artist, like be wizened badass and, yeah. who is also a total loser and gross old pervert. Yeah. 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 Who is also wearing a Hawaiian shirt all the time and <laughs> lives on a weird Island yeah. and like has all these magical artifacts that he apparently doesn't take good enough care of. <laughs> yeah. So they're all just kind of destroyed or damaged. one of a kind. <laughs> It's one of kind of fan that produces thunderstorms and he spilt juice on it. Yeah, and threw it away. Like, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> right. And and similarly, like in his first uh, appearance in the show, he mentions a different artifact that got destroyed or damaged because he used it improperly. Yeah. Like, yeah. like literally, he was using the Bancho fan as a placemat. That's why <laughs> juice was spilled on it. So that's hilarious to me. That aspect of Roshi is so funny that he's just this old guy with a collection of magic artifacts that are priceless and one of a kind that he doesn't take care of because he's an old slob. That's hilarious. But it's nestled into a character who is mostly defined by being a pervert and specifically perving on Bulma in ways that are super creepy as we've already established. Yeah, for real. So that that really is the problem. And it's hard to find a favorite episode of this show because almost every episode is marred by something like that happening. And going forward, they will continue to be. Because the other thing that's weird about this is I mentioned at the start of the episode that I grew up reading this, and I did, and I... It, that's so weird now because yeah, I'm right. looking back on it and I'm like, Jesus, like... Did this un- inform my perspectives on things? Because it probably did. And right. that's not great to yeah, remember. That, that's got to be a fucking or think about. weird feeling. Like, and, and also, like, frankly, I think the show is worse than the manga just because in the manga, when something weird happens, it's in a panel and you can look to the next panel. Yeah. In a show, you are stuck there in the moment yeah, for as long yeah, as the yeah, show yeah. wants you to be. And, for example, when Bulma's showering, that's like a panel in the manga, not five unbroken minutes of pervy shots of a girl showering. Yeah. So that's a good point. It's just like. So, like, I I don't know. And And it's interesting, too, because as a kid, I really preferred Dragon Ball to DBZ because it was funnier and because it was more adventure focused. Yeah, yeah. 
And so watching it now, it's just upsetting because it's not even why did I enjoy this? It's just like, what, what did this inform about me? Mm -hmm. And like, great. Now I have to wrestle with these feelings about this property that was kind of formative for me as a kid. Right. Like, great. I have a lot of affection for these characters and these scenarios, but now I have to reconcile the fact that Oolong is really, really creepy and gross in a way that I did not remember. Yeah. And, like, that's not a fun feeling. And, I mean, I guess I'd rather be having it than just being like, Dragon Ball's great. Go watch Dragon Ball to everybody (laughs) I meet. But, like, it still kind of sucks to have to reckon with something that was very important to you that is now, like, clearly not okay anymore correctly i want to point out like sure you know yeah the the progress is good obviously but but it's still hard to just go back and and face this shit and just be like oh yeah oh oh god yeah right like it's the kind of thing that makes me glad that i didn't bother bringing my dragon ball manga back home to la with me I got rid of it all. And that kind of sucks in a way, because, again, those were, like, serious and important to me. But, you know, it's uh, it's just not good. Like, it's it's not I don't even honestly find it fun to watch almost at all. Like, wow, really? Because I know what's coming every time because I've read the manga and I remember all these little things. So, like, even the moments where it is funny in a way that's not upsetting or just outright gross it's just not enough yeah i can get that so let's move along to the bet um in the next arc we are going to be introduced to a character named launch whose defining characteristic is that when she sneezes she swaps between two different personalities one is very sweet and innocent and the other is like uh, kind of Ryoko from Tenshi, actually, in a like lot of ways. More violent, um, though. <laughs> like, yeah. She's, like, already... She always just has guns and is wants to shoot you. <laughs> she also changes hair colors, which is, I guess, helpful <laughs> to distinguish. Yeah, right. That's the <laughs> the other thing about her. But uh, Launch sneezes and she transforms. So we're just going to make a bet on how many times she sneezes on screen. This has to be, you know, literally a shot of her sneezing. If she right. sneezes off screen and we hear it that won't count and so we've both seen i mean here's we both have our own kind of advantage in this point too because you've read the manga for this section you know it very well and i've seen the show for this section as well uh but so i don't because it's a lot of tournament arc and then like i think she's mostly in the beginning like yeah, yeah shows up she and is maybe pretty is like much entirely in the beginning peppered throughout i guess maybe but because I remember it like cutting back to the island and there'd be some goofy thing happening. Yeah, that <sighs> seems like something that would happen with filler, certainly. Let's see. Maybe it'll happen a lot in one episode. I don't know, like six? Yeah, I, I have no idea either. So I'm just going to go ahead and say five. Okay. Because why not? Yeah. Seems, seems like a reasonable range. Uh, alrighty, so... We will be keeping track of how frequently Launch sneezes. Obviously, because of the new schedule, next week we're not going to be doing anything. Uh, But the week after that, 
which will be February 10th. We will be covering more Dragon Ball. Specifically, this will be the first tournament arc of Dragon Ball. So you can imagine I'm looking forward to it because I love tournament arcs. My favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. that'll be in two weeks. Until then, I'm Michael Doak. And I'm Peter Eby. And be sure to revisit us on February 10th for the first World Martial Arts Tournament. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you're staying safe and wearing a mask in public. If you have the means, please remember to provide for others in your community by donating to a local food bank or towards a social cause like Black Lives Matter. Uh, Either of those organizations desperately need money right now, so if you have the means, please consider donating. That said, if you want to, you can follow us over at facebook.com slash hbpod and twitter at hbpod, where we post all of our episodes as well as additional content related to what we've been watching. This is also a great way to get in contact with us if you are so inclined. Of course, subscribing on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatching app you happen to use is also a surefire way to stay up to date. And while you're there, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us find new listeners, and it's just good to know what people think of the show. Uh, We will see you in two weeks for Dragon Ball Part 2, but until then, stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, have as good a time as you can, I suppose.